We live in a time of real uncertainty, don't we? A world which is in a time of war, not only, of course, devastating day by day in the details of that, but also extremely concerning regarding how matters may continue to unfold. We live in a time of economic struggle with, as has been highlighted, real pain and difficulty for normal people across the country, and then also huge macro concerns for governments and central banks, other institutions. We're in a time of political strife. We're in a season here in Aberdeen particularly, of an, it's an extremely stretching season for our local health service. Notices that have gone out saying, please, if, if you can manage, don't come here because we can't cope with what's going on just at the moment. Just so much struggle, uncertainty, and, and that is in addition to just the normal challenges that come at us day by day. And, and you know what they are in your own life, in the lives of those that you care about deeply in your families and communities and in this church. And in such turbulent times, and let's be honest, when I say turbulent times, I, I, I mean pretty much all of the time. Sometimes these things scream a little louder at us than other times, but either as we consider the, the global picture of the world or as we just consider the, the lives of, of each of us in the family of God and what people are going through, there, there are always times of uncertainty. And within that context, we need to understand where does the story of my little life fit into all that is going on in this world? What is it that gives the framework, the overarching understanding, the, the boundaries and the solid ground within which our lives play out? How are we to understand who we are and how we are to live in times such as these? One of the things that we've seen, we're in John's gospel. If you're, if you're visiting among us, we're tracking through John's gospel, and we're up to chapter 7, verse 1 today. One of the things that we've seen multiple times throughout John so far is that Jesus' life is deeply bound up in his relationship with his Father with God the Father, who Jesus is, what he plans to do, the decisions he makes, the timings of various moments and seasons of life, they are all governed by his relationship with the Father in heaven and the plan that God had for him to fulfill. So let me just briefly run through an overview of this to get us to this point in chapter 7. We see this from the, the very first words of the gospel. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We see this, jump forward to chapter 2, the first sign of Jesus at the wedding in Cana. His, his mom comes to him with a particular need, but Jesus pushes back in, in verse 4 of chapter 2 saying, my hour has not yet come. Jesus is saying there, I'm, I'm here with a plan. I am sent from God. I'm not just floating around from week to week. There is a schedule here that I'm keeping, me and my Father. We see it in chapter 3, as Jesus shared how God so loved the world that he sent his Son, 
And Jesus is saying, I'm here doing the Father's work, showing the Father's love to this world. We see in chapter 4, as Jesus says, quote, verse 34, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What is it that keeps me going? What is it that sustains me? What am I all about? To do the work of him who sent me to accomplish his work. That's who I am, Jesus is saying. We saw a huge focus of this in chapter 5. Verse 19 of chapter 5, Jesus says this, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he himself is doing. We saw this multiple times in chapter 6. Look at verse 37. Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. Verse 40 of chapter 6, this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes on Him should have eternal life. Verse 65 of chapter 6, no one comes to me unless it is granted by the Father. So we see this, chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and surprise, surprise, we see it in chapter 7 as well, both at the start of our passage and towards the end. The context here in chapter 7 is that the Feast of Booths is taking place. So there's this huge gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate this, this, this covenantal worship festival, and Jesus' brothers are eager for him to go down to the feast, but Jesus is reluctant to do so. And the question is, why? So let's just read again the first few verses of chapter 7, just to see why is Jesus reluctant to go at this point? So after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He would not go about in Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of booths was at hand, so his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For not even his brothers believed in him. Now listen to what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, my time has not yet come. Your time is always here. Do what you need to do, so to speak, Jesus is saying. He says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast. I am not going up to the feast for my time has not yet fully come. And after saying this, he remained in Galilee. Why is Jesus not going up? Twice he says it, because my time has not yet come. We see, again, the sense of Jesus' life not just being a random bunch of events, but that his life was deeply bound up in the plan that God the Father had for him and the timings that God had ordained for these things to play out. We see it at the start of the passage, and we see it at the end of our passage as well. And by the way, Tim was right to just read up to verse 24, but we're actually going to cover up to verse 36 today. Jesus ends up going down to Jerusalem for the feast after all. It's a bit like, um, you might wonder, why, why does it happen in this way? Well, it's a little bit the same as in chapter 2. Do you remember in chapter 2, Mary comes to Jesus and asks for his help, and he says, he says my hour has not yet come. But once Jesus has made that clear, he then does go on to help. And 
here, Jesus is doing the same thing. He's saying, my, my, my time has not yet come. I'm not going to go because of the pressure that you put me under. I'm not going to go because you tell me to go. Because you don't understand how God's kingdom will come. But, but once Jesus makes all of that clear, it's like, he's, he's, okay, I've said my piece. It's time to go now. He's free to go. He, Jesus was no pushover. He's not just going to go because his brothers tell him to go. He's going to go at the right time because he's following after God's plan. So in a moment, we're going to look at what happens in Jerusalem. But I just want to get this framework clear first. Because what happens is from verses 25 to 27, some of the people in Jerusalem are talking about who Jesus is. And listen to how Jesus responds. Verse 28. So Jesus proclaimed as he taught in the temple, you know me and you know where I come from. Again, here's this connection again. But I have not come of my own accord. He who sent me is true and him you do not know. I know him for I come from him, the father in heaven he's talking about, and he sent me. So they were seeking to arrest him, but no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. So again, Jesus is quick to point out, I'm not here on my own agenda. I'm here because I'm sent. I'm here because God is true and my life is bound up in his and what he wants. Let's keep reading. Verse 31. Yet many of the people believed in him. They said, when the Christ appears, will he do more signs than this man has done? The Pharisees heard the crowd muttering these things about him. And the chief priests and the Pharisees sent officers to arrest him. Jesus then said, I will be with you a little longer, and then I am going to him who sent me. You will seek me, and you will not find me. Where I am, you cannot come. It's the same thing again. I just love that Jesus underlines it again, this time in the context of these religious guard police officers, effectively, who have come to arrest him. And what I love is we don't even get any comment on what happens to that particular line of investigation. Jesus just trolls these religious leaders so hard here. The religious police are like, you're coming with me. And Jesus, in verse 33, is like, well, truthfully, I'm actually going to be here a little bit longer, uh, but then I'll be going back to God. And you won't be able to find me, by the way, in that moment. You can imagine how, how this is landing on the, on the police officers who have come to arrest him, and you definitely can't come with me where I'm going. And the religious leaders are just left feeling gutted at this reality. And no more mention is made of their, their attempted arrest of Jesus here. The point is this. Jesus is saying again and again in this passage, the times and movements of my life are not random. They're not even my own. They are totally bound up in the plans, purposes, and character of God the Father. And this, friends, is not an incidental thing, but this is totally fundamental to how Jesus understood his life. We're going to see this again in John many times. And friends, the point of this message is, so it should be for us. Our lives are to be framed within the love and good plans of God the Father in heaven. Even, perhaps especially, in times of uncertainty and turmoil. Day by day, week by week, in the difficult times and in the times of plain old normal life, we need to remember who we are. 
Another way to say it is we need to remember whose we are. Jesus knew that his entire life was framed by the fullness of who God was. Now, you might say to me, hey, Martin, yeah, uh, I ain't Jesus. You're talking about Jesus. I ain't him. Uh, is this not unique to Jesus and the Father? They did have a very special relationship. Let's just acknowledge that. None of us have the exact same relationship that the Son of God and the Father of the Father God in heaven had. But, but, listen to how Jesus prayed later on in his ministry. Turn over a, a few pages or, or swipe forward a little bit in your app to John chapter 17 and verse 20. John 17, 20. I do not ask, this is Jesus praying, and he says, I do not ask for these only, that is his disciples in that age, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, i.e., us, right? Jesus praying for us. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Look at verse 25. Oh, righteous Father, Jesus prays, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. I made known to them your name, and I will continue to make it known that the love with which you have loved me may be in them and I in them. Incredible. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, so may they, the church, us here, Hillview Community Church, may they be in us. Jesus has made known to us the name of God, all that God is, all that he has shared with this world so that the love the Father has for the Son would be known in us. For any and all here who trust in Jesus, and that can be all of us this morning, we have to pray for the Holy Spirit to day by day renew our minds that we would understand the true depth of who we really are in this world. Do you know who you are? Do you know that your life is bound up in the very reality of who God the Father is? I have come across a few people in my life who so naturally speak of the love that the Father has for them and the way they walk with the Father day by day. It's very precious when you come across someone who knows the love of the Father, who rests in it, who lives out from that place. We need God's help for that. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in us. Because why? Because we see this is not just John chapter 7. It's not just the gospel of John. We see this in other parts of the scripture as well. Listen to these wonderful verses. David, don't worry about putting these ones up on the screen. There's too many. But I'm just going to read them to you. Be blessed. Listen to the truth of, of, of the scriptures here. Proverbs verse 3, 5 and 6. Well-known verses. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Then perhaps a few words of the passage that we focus less on. In all your ways, acknowledge him. What does that mean? In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. What does it look like for you this week in all your ways to acknowledge this great God of ours? To acknowledge his presence, to acknowledge who he is, what he's up to. Psalm 28, verse 7, the Lord is my strength and my shield. 
In him my heart trusts, and I am helped. What does that look like? For your heart to trust in the Lord who is the strength and shield. Psalm 91 verse 1. He who, now listen to the lovely circular nature of this. He who dwells in the shadow of the Most High will abide in Sorry, I got it wrong. Let me get I want to get this right because this is so precious. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Someone was correcting me. I love it. I need all the help I can get. Keep t- if I get a Bible verse again, you correct me, okay? He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. So beautiful. Behold, Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. Just verse after we could keep going, right? The point is this the language is so broad and so full and complete in these verses. All that we are, seen in all that. God is, all that we are found in all that God is. And there's one wonderful way, one final one I want to mention that is captured in Colossians 3. And it would be good to have Colossians 3 on the screen, David. Thanks from verse 1, because this is just a a, a helpful little easy way to remember, not, not to grasp and embrace, but easy to remember that we can take into this week as we think about our lives within the context of the fatherhood of God. Listen to Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ. So this is all completely bound up in the finished work of Jesus, right? So if then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died And your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Verse 3 is the key for our focus here today. It's for those who have, through Jesus, died to that old way of life. If that's you, your life is hidden with Christ in God in the shelter of the Almighty, in the shadow of God's wings. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. As 18th century Methodist minister Joseph Benson puts it, your life is laid up in God, in the heart and center, so to speak, of deity, of the infinite perfections of God. This is who you are. For all of us who trust in Jesus this week, we can take this into the coming week. Remind yourself of it as you wake up. Remind yourself of it throughout the day. Set an alarm on your phone with these words, my life is hidden in God. My life is hidden with Christ in God. My job or my education Yes, it's important, but it's not the most important thing. I'm hidden in God in in all my ways. I want to acknowledge Him. My relationships, they don't define me. 
nor should I be seeking for relationships that would define me. I'm hidden. I'm dwelling and abiding in who God is. That's who I am, most fundamentally. My hopes for the future, no matter what comes, most fundamentally, I am God's and He is mine. My worries and my depression, they don't define me. My life is hidden with Jesus and God the Father, the Father who loves me, who welcomes me, who heals and protects me. My health, even the breath in my lungs and the beating of my heart, it's all hidden with Christ in God. In verse 4, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. No longer hidden within the Godhead. No longer hidden in God, but blazing forth in the glory of God. Remember, friend, this week, your life is hidden in God. This is what Jesus kept coming back to in John, and indeed in John chapter 7. At the start of our chapter, he's highlighting, it's not my time yet. It's not my time yet. God's purposes and plans are what determine my, my movements in this world. And at the end of our passage, from verse 28 onwards, Jesus is saying again and again, you know where I come from. I'm not here because of my plans, but because of who God wants me to be. Now, what does this mean for us for this coming week? Like, endless, wonderful realities that will take a lifetime to reflect on and and figure out. The implications of this are endless, but there are a number of examples of what this means in our passage that I just want to flag. And do not worry, that was not the introduction of this sermon. We are coming to a close in this sermon, but just as examples of what this can mean in practice in our life, I'm just going to list these, make a couple of comments on each one. So, thanks David. If you could flash up the PowerPoint, knowing that our lives are hidden in God keeps us from, first of all, fears and worries over family struggles. How heartbreaking to read of Jesus' difficult family circumstances. Verse 5, not even his brothers believed in who he was to the extent that he couldn't even journey with them to this wonderful feast. The Feast of Booths was one of the most joyous feasts of thanksgiving and celebration of God's goodness. It would have been such a lovely trip, right, for Jesus and his brothers to make. But they misunderstood him and they threw unhelpful words at him. But Jesus is not shaken because his life is hidden in God's plans. Don't worry if you're facing family struggles just now. If they don't see God for who he is or see you for who you are in God. If there are tensions, if there is heartache where there could be great joy, trust in God. Your life is hidden in his. Secondly, knowing that our lives are hidden And God keeps us from automatically following the logic of this world. Cast your eye to verses 3 and 4. We won't read them because we've already done that. But what's going on here is his, his brothers think he is crazy because he's not letting everyone see him and who he is. You know, if you want people to understand who you are, Jesus, you better go down and show them. But Jesus knew of God's plans 
And God's plans do not always follow the pattern of the plans that we would dream up as being sensible and trustworthy. Guess what? Your life is hidden in God. How you live, the priorities that you have, the pace that you set for yourself, the way you spend your money, they will seem bonkers to many of the people around about you in your life. Don't worry about it. Follow God's plans. Look to Him. Rest in Him. Live out His love and His timing day by day. Next one. Knowing that our lives are hidden in God keeps us from boring people. Now, I do not mean it keeps us away from boring people. I mean that when we live out the reality of who we are in God, to the degree that that's the case, people will not be bored by us. People will be amazed at the words and the message of our lives. Look at verses 14 to 17, right? About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it that this man has learning? when he has never studied. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. When we speak, when we, like Jesus, speak with God's authority, which, by the way, can be as simple as sending a verse to someone that God has put on your heart at the right time in a little text message or a WhatsApp or something like that, that's authoritative. That's That's God's word. That's authority. When we, like Jesus, speak with God's authority, there is power in that. People will marvel at who God is. Not because of your own authority, but because of who God is. Let's keep going. Knowing that our lives are hidden in God keeps us from, fourthly, fearing about the content of God's message. You say, what are you on about? Fearing about the content? When you are faithfully sharing the truth of God, when we think about the culture we live in, if we're doing that in our own strength, if we're resting in our own wisdom, we can fear what will come at us in this world if we're not careful. There is so much that we believe, friends, who love God, who love His Word, so much that God has planned for good for us and this world, but that is seen by this world as wrong, unloving, uncaring, evil, arrogant, and so on. But Jesus knew whose he was. Jesus knew the authority with which he spoke. Look at verse 16 again. So Jesus answered them, my teaching is not mine, but him who sent me. It is so freeing for us to be able to just humbly point to God's word as our authority and guide in many of the struggles that our culture has with what is laid out here in God's word. We say, it's not me saying this. It's not me saying this. We just humbly say, this is God's word. It's not my authority. This is what God says. Dear friend, brother, sister, you say, I know this is difficult. 
I know this is difficult. I, I'm not sure I've got it all figured out just yet. I'm not trying to be awkward with you. I don't want you to know pain and difficulty and struggle, but, but this is what God is saying to you. This is what God is calling to you. And as hard as it might seem just now, it is for your good eternally, even now. As you know your life is hidden in God this week, may you be free to share his truth with those much in need. Next one, knowing that our lives are hidden in God keeps us from resting in our own wisdom and authority. We, we, we've touched on this, but it's just so clear, verses 16 to 18, where, where, where Jesus' authority comes from. May that be the, the case for us, not just people of good opinions, not just people with compelling words of our own, but rooted in the wisdom and authority of God. Next, penultimately, knowing that our lives are hidden in God keeps us from seeking our own glory. Verse 18, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent me is true, and in him there is no falsehood. When we know my life is not mine, it's God's. My words and my plans and my movements are bound up in the amazing purposes and plans of God. When we know this, there is no place for pride. That doesn't puff us up. The authority that is ours from God, that doesn't puff us up. It, it brings us low. This is the, the, the wisdom that is from above that I was flagging when, when Tim was sharing here. I mean, this is, this is counterintuitive in so many ways. You, you think of your life as Joseph Benson, that Methodist from the 18th century, puts it as being in the, the heart and center of deity and the infinite perfections of God. I mean, you might think that I would puff someone up. You think, well, that's, that's where I live. That's my space. No, not someone who has fully understood that reality, who has died to that old prideful way of life. They're brought low in that context. May we be brought low this week. And then finally, knowing that our lives are hidden in God keeps us from timidity. In this whole passage, but especially verses 19 to 24, Jesus is no push over. He knows where his strength comes from because his life is bound up in God. So too, we, as we remember whose we are, we need not be timid or fearful. But again, one of the repeated cries of the scriptures, be strong and courageous for I am with you. You are mine. We can be bold knowing that God is on our side. And then, if you just click it one more time, etc., etc., etc. There are so many other implications for us of what life looks like when we understand the deep connection we have with God in heaven. These are just a few that pop up in these verses. But day by day, brother, sister, the, the Holy Spirit will minister to you what you need as you wake and remind yourself throughout the day, my life is hidden with Christ in God. In the uncertainties of the season, in the world and in our lives, in the ups and downs of normal daily life, may we understand the story of who we are and how our lives are to play out, deeply bound up and held 
in the perfections and plans and purposes.